This is the Tom Baby Tales, and I'm Shannon Evans, your host. Tonight's episode is called Arts and Antiques, the event analysis. Let's get started. Now that the art and antique show is officially over, despite every light still being on in the building three days later, we can evaluate this event. I'd like to start with the vendors. CVB CEO Carpenter bragged in the dispatch that there were 14 vendors at the show. While that might be true technically, the breakdown of types of vendors is telling. As far as was evident from the vendor signs in the front room wall, there was the clock guys, four to five clocks. In the next room, there were, in the next two rooms, there were two jewelry vendors with lovely art but not antiques, mostly were newer pieces, and two antique-ish vendors who had mostly decorative antique or vintage lamps, vases, and other small items. There were a few small tables and stools in their displays as well. These were all crammed in the back two rooms. A lovely man who was in the back of the hall tucked under the staircase by the ladies' loo had gorgeous Persian carpets, but no room to open them fully to show their magnificence. I'm not sure why he and those carpets were not in the empty front room after Jim Del Prince's floral demonstration had ended. The rest of the first floor was filled with mostly modern or folk art from primarily local or area artists. The bulk of the show was a lot of mediocre art with a few good surprises scattered in. All in all, disappointing. It felt tired, last minute, and really uninspiring. The building itself looked tired, too, inside, despite the outrageous amount of money the CVB director threw at it, trying to get it ready for opening in the 10 short days she had once she announced the change of venue. The lawn was mowed and weed-whacked, and for some reason, a two-foot-high stack of pine straw was put at the base of the shrubbery and along the side porch, despite there being absolutely no flower beds along any of that. It seemed like haphazard and amateurish landscaping. But there again, money was thrown in that direction. The porch ramp had new carpet tack down, thankfully, but the porch edge had been painted a garish barn red that did not match the rest of the porch and really accentuated the gaping holes of rotted wood under the metal ramp. Egads, I wonder if that paint was approved by the City Historic Commission as it was supposed to be. I doubt it. On the front porch were two tall, round, white, cloth-covered tables with no apparent purpose on an indoor faux oriental carpet because, well, everyone has indoor oriental carpets on their Victorian porches. I think the carpet was to hide the cracked and peeling porch paint, and the tables were to block visitors from seeing the porch repairs that are fresh and unpainted, and to keep people from seeing the rotting, leaking ceiling and the warped and peeling ceiling fan back there as well as the soft wood in the part of the porch under the circular porch front. And if you really wanted a peek to peek over there, two buff guys in coats marked security would deter you. Opening night was interesting, but confirmed that the work all week was all band-aids. There are holes in the walls from previous wall fixtures on, or paintings. 
the wallpaper was ripped and gouged and water damaged, and the ceiling tiles were old asbestos and stained in many places. The windows and the ledges were filthy, and dust motes floated under the lights as the 30 to 40 folks in attendance at the opening stirred up the carpet dust underfoot. The cocktail spread for the opening was okay, but nothing spectacular. I expected cocktail shrimp at least, since Carpenter sticks it in every CVB and foundation ad that goes out. I'm not sure where the 6K budgeted for catering went. The cheese, grapes, and strawberries were all Cisco or Kroger quality, and the wine and Prosecco were cheap and tasteless. I've sampled better box wine. It was definitely interesting to watch a seasoned tourism bureau director make social faux pas after social faux pas in both the setting, dirty and cramped, and the hostessing. Absolutely abysmal in protocols, including having her star morning presenter placed in such a way that his presentation was in front of two east-facing morning windows so that no one could see for the glare and the sunspots the demonstrations that he was he was conducting and cramming her vendors into two small rooms. How embarrassing. One would think after 12 plus years of hosting events, the director would have a better feel for the necessary space for such things. It would stand to reason that a seasoned professional like Carpenter would expect a post-event evaluation to reflect on the event in order to improve future similar events. I wonder if the board and director set any predefined objectives for this event. It's difficult to evaluate an, an event to determine if it achieved its intended purpose if you don't have predefined objectives for things like audience engagement, increased tourism, etc. After this event, was any feedback from attendees collected? Were any surveys sent, exit interviews conducted with vendors and participants? Is there any social media analysis? Because we know there was no social media by the CVB prior to or during the event. There was no social buzz. Will a budget analysis be conducted by the board? This will be important for future event planning. It will be critical for the board to analyze the projected costs versus the real cost. As we know, Carpenter spent a great deal of money preparing for the event. Where was overspending and where are the places for future cost reduction for similar events? I think it's important the vendors, the vendors, partners, sponsors, and employees evaluate their own experience, engagement, and satisfaction with this arts and antique event. It is also critical that accurate data is collected. Attendance figures, such as sign-ins, of which there were none, financial records, participant surveys, social media analytics, or the lack thereof, and testimonials should have been collected on site. They were not. Because there was no data collected, no data analysis can thoroughly be conducted. No patterns or trends can be identified. <clears throat> no statistical analysis, sentiment analysis, or thematic coding can be used to extract meaningful insights, and no data-driven decisions can be made for this event and any events going forward like it. Essentially, with no usable data collected means a SWOT analysis cannot be conducted. No strengths can be leveraged, weaknesses addressed, logical opportunities explored, 
for threats to be mitigated, and no strategies for future events can be developed based on that analysis or the fact that there is no SWOT analysis. Without a post-evaluation by the board and the CEO, there is no way to assess the actual success of an event, especially this event, to gain invaluable insights and to produce future event improvements. Post-event evaluation is part of any dynamic empowered board. Feedback-driven tourism events have been shown to grow future attendance and provide justification for pivots in the future. Gathering qualitative feedback from all event participants helps to guide future events. Most post-event reports include an executive summary, which include future recommendations, the goals and objectives made before the event, the ROI, or return of investment report, which would include the, the ads, the meetings, purchases, bills, etc., the event's effectiveness, including feedback regarding the event location, the, the actual display places, the traffic flow, the out-of-town visitors versus number of in-town visitors, etc., the budget, both estimated and final in investment, areas for improvement, and a conclusion that addresses the post-event evaluation and recommendations for the future. But there should also be an employee review after such an event by the board. In an event of this type conducted year to year, a careful examination of director performance would be not only beneficial, but critical for the director's next performance review or for their exit review, as in Carpenter's case. Were expenditures reduced compared to the previous year of the art and antique sale? Was there an increase in 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 blah. Was there an increase in visitors over last year? Was overhead decreased? Metrics must be tracked compared to previous years, etc. Why were there only six vendors and eight artists at this event? How was the director's operational performance for the event? Meaning planning. Remember, she sent out invites before securing her venue resulting in significant extra expenses for this event. Project management, budget, which she is still blowing through even after the event. Marketing, which there was really none beyond the invitation, plural, <clears throat> and the single ad in the dispatch. There was nothing on social media, etc. While the director might make a great room mother and superb decorator, she is clearly not a great event planner. She has had 12 plus years at the helm of this event, as well as all the institutional knowledge and a massive marketing budget to make this event hugely successful and should be generating tourism revenue. Yet this event does not. She has clearly done this particular event and job so long that she is complacent. And the event is now not only tired and the venue was dirty, it was devoid of anything new interesting, or innovative. Like every other event the director has done this year, it was an overpriced, disappointing, self-serving dud. Thank you. I'm Shannon Evans, and this is the Tom Bigby Tales. <laughs>